All right, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to our uh, Wednesday worship time during the during the summer. I know we have kids who are headed out to watch fireworks tonight. Our family, we're headed over to Amanda's parents in Yukon to watch the fireworks in Yukon tonight. So we're about to leave out of here and go over go over there after we have a time of Bible study. So. Glad we'd be able to, uh, to gather together. I'm going to, here at the beginning, uh, read scripture and pray, and then Jack is going to come and share from God's word, and then after he does that, we're going to have a time of prayer at the end, and then also break up into groups and be able to talk about what, what Jack shared and how we apply that to our lives, and then be able to pray together, and we'll be dismissed at, um, at that time after, after we have a chance to pray together. So... Uh, also, I want to specifically, we're going to pray about this right now after I read the scripture, uh, pray for a gentleman named Pete. Uh, we went out this afternoon into our neighborhood, uh, the Talavera neighborhood over here and went door to door and talked with people and uh, Carl was able to share the gospel with a, a man named Pete and got right up to the point of saying, do you want to pray this? Do you want to trust in Christ? And he's like, ah, not, not right now. Um, but we're going to go back and follow up with him next week and, and talk with him. But Carl was very clear, I don't have to come back for you to trust in the Lord. Like, you can do that when we close the door, or you can do that tonight. Um, so we want to pray for Pete as he thinks about the gospel and was receptive to that. Um, so it's a good reminder. You go places and 49 people shut the door on you, and then Pete wants to know about the Lord and how to be saved. So uh, I think that was Carl's... Uh, Carl's experience this afternoon, but we, we did have some good conversations for sure. So I'm going to read for us tonight Psalm 115, and then I'll pray, and Jack is going to come and, and share with us, uh, preach for us tonight. Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see, ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell, hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the gift of being able to gather together tonight. God, thank you for Jack and Phyllis. God, thank you for the legacy of faith that comes through their family, for all that you've given them to do over the years in ministry. Uh, God, thank you for their marriage, for the example of Christian faith that they are to, to so many, including 
uh, me and my family in this church. And God, thank you for him being able to share the, uh, your word with us tonight. Father, we pray for Pete as well, um, as he was able to hear the gospel this afternoon, um, that even tonight as he's sitting at home, maybe having dinner or going to bed later, God, that the, the hope, the good news of Jesus would be a source of hope and comfort for him, God, that he would cry out to you for, for salvation, um, and God, we would know how to care for him. Thank you for the other conversations we were able to have today. God, thank you for the people in this room. I know they're having conversations about the gospel with those in their neighborhood and their workplace. Uh, Father, continue to use us in those ways. Uh, and God, thank you for this summer, uh, especially July and August and all the mission opportunities we have coming up. Uh, we want through those to be able to point people to, to the good news of Jesus. And so thank you for Emmaus and, and a heart among this church uh, to be able to do those things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Jack. Thank you, sir. All right. If you have your Bibles, why don't we uh, turn to Luke chapter 10. I tell you, there's... I like to read the parables, don't you? And uh, <clears throat> which is your favorite parable? Do you have one? <laughs> Nobody likes parables. <laughs> well, evidently you don't, so we're going to look at the, the story of the Good Samaritan. <laughs> All right, it's going to be in chapter 10 of Luke. It's gospel. To, to, to kind of... To kind of set the stage of what's going on, we find that uh, there's a report back from the 70 that's been sent out, that Jesus sent out, and they come back with a good report of how the Lord had, had led them. They were, they were actually led out into the area that Jesus was going to, to minister to. They were... Um, the forerunners, so to speak. And, uh, and they came back with how God had worked in a, in a marvelous way. And, uh, <clears throat> and so after they came back with that report, we see <clears throat> that, that Luke now has Jesus moving away with just the disciples. He's speaking only to the disciples. And he says to them in verse 24, For I say to you that many prophets and kings wish to see the things which you see and did not see them, and to hear the things which you heard and did not hear them. He's talking again about the prophets that prophesied the fact that there was going to become a Messiah. And, and all that they prophesied is, is now doing what? It's taking place. And, and they would like to have seen this. So he, 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 he only talks to the disciples. The rest of those people, he's, he's not talking to. 
And, and then Luke, again, kind of moves us in a different direction. And he talks about an, an encounter with um, <clears throat> with a lawyer. Isn't that great? <laughs> now, this lawyer is, he, he doesn't, let's get this straight, he's, he's not going to court to, to plead somebody's case. That's not the kind of lawyer he is. The kind of lawyer that we, that is, there's two people involved in this conversation. The lawyer and who? And Jesus. But, but he, he was the lawyer that studied the five books of the law. Jesus said, I came not to destroy what? The law and the prophets. So this lawyer studied the law, the first five books of Old Testament. Now it's kind of strange to me that it says that he <clears throat> was putting Jesus to the test. Mm. The guy that studied the law is going to put to the test the maker of the law. Kind of dumb, isn't it? <laughs> if I was going to put somebody to the test, he, he's really trying to He's, he's trying to prove himself. You ever, I taught before, you've taught before. There's always somebody in that class that you're teaching that wants to make a point. Because what we find out is that <clears throat> they're sitting down, which means if they're sitting down, Jesus is the teacher. You got the idea? He's a teacher. And they're sitting down, and all of a sudden, this lawyer gets up. <clears throat> you, you get the picture? He wants to put Jesus to the test, so Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden, he just gets up and says, hey, hey, look at me. I have a question. <laughs> and so there's going to be a dialogue between the lawyer and the teacher. That's the first step. We go on beyond that here in a moment. He's trying to see if he can trip Jesus up just a little bit. Maybe he wants to say that, hey, I know more than you know. Hmm? You ever had those kind of people? It's all about me. Well, so he, <clears throat> he, uh, he, he asked him the question, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Pastor, I'm just guessing that he's probably a, a Pharisee that believed that that's a what? A life after death? 
not a Sadducee. I, you know, I, I'm just guessing. But the point is, it's not what I do to inherit eternal life. Amen? It's what God has done for us. But he's thinking of a life afterwards. What, what do I need to do to, to inherit eternal life? And, 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 uh, and Jesus says to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He just puts the question where? Back to the lawyer. What's in the scripture? What does the scripture say? And the lawyer says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Uh, we, by the way, we see Jesus quoting the same thing in the New Testament. That's the law. You want to know what the law says? That's what the law says. And, and he says, this is how I understand it. And Jesus says, okay, you get an A. That's what it says. <clears throat> and so he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you shall live. Now the scene is going to change. Because he moves in a different direction and he is trying to justify himself and he says to Jesus who is my neighbor do you see the change now that's taking place it's, the first question was what do I need to do to inherit eternal life Jesus says what does the law says he quotes the law Jesus says you're correct and he should have stopped but he didn't and now he says, what, just who is my neighbor? Boy, is he going to get a lesson. Now there's some other peoples that come into the scene. Who are they? There's a priest. And there's a Levite. And the one that you would never have expected to show up in the parable was who? You know the story. A Samaritan. <clears throat> now, they didn't like the Samaritans. The Samaritans were kind of half-breeds who had intermarried with foreigners guilty of false worship they, they 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 were a sworn enemy of the jews in fact moving from galilee to judea in that middle if you look at the maps is samaria and we're told that they skirted that area they didn't want to go through samaria Jesus was at Samaria one time, and a lady at the well came to him, and Jesus said, give me what? Give me, a, give me a drink of water. 
And basically she says, why are you a Jew asking of me, a Samaritan, for water? Because you hate us. Well, boy, he comes into the picture. Can you imagine now? The See, here, here's Jesus. He's teaching, and we already know that the people are saying, He's teaching as one that has authority. He doesn't teach like the other people. The word's spreading, and people are coming, and he's teaching, and the lawyer interrupts it, justifying himself, finally says, okay, I got that one right. See if I can get this one right. For he says, justifying himself, who is my neighbor? And so, Jesus gives a parable. Jesus replied and said, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him, and went off, leaving him half dead. They left him to die. That's what they did. They left him to die. Took what they had, left him to die. Now, when we were at Jericho, they pointed out when Phyllis and I was there one time, the, the, the road that went back up to Jerusalem. It's 17 miles. It's a very desolate, rugged country. And it drops from Jerusalem to Jericho 3,000 feet. And the people pretty well knew that if you got on that road, there could be some danger. So they understood what, what Jesus was talking about. A man comes from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he falls among thieves who robbed him, took his stuff, left him to die. That's, that's the bottom line. And so then he says, and by chance a certain priest was going down on the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, I guess there's a lot of reasons that people talk about. He didn't want to touch a dead body. He didn't know whether he was dead. If he touched him, he had to go through a ceremonial cleansing. Maybe he had a speaking engagement. Who, who knows? Doesn't matter, does it? He, he looked. <laughs> Don't get too close. And he passed by. Who's Jesus talking to? A lawyer who knew 
the law. Amen? And probably others there also may be trying to trick you. Who knows? A priest. Certainly a priest would not do that. But Jesus said that's what happened. He came by. He looked. He passed by. And likewise, a Levite. Oh, boy. (laughs) Here we go down that wrong road again. Another religious leader. Amen? Another one. Also, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, it could have been that they were, it could have been that the robbers were still there. They didn't want to get robbed. Who knows? But they passed by. You get the picture of the guys that's listening to Jesus teach? And a certain Samaritan who was, who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. We probably don't do much until compassion moves us to do something. It's the same words that we could experience Jesus as he looked over in Jerusalem, compassion on the people, how many times like a young hen would take care of her chicks, would I have done that for you? Had, had compassion. We don't do much without compassion moving us. A Samaritan with compassion. He, he's on a journey. I, I kind of think he, he may have been a, a merchant on a journey because he had a donkey. And he probably had some supplies on his donkey. He had some money in his pocket. We know that. On a journey. And he looks and he sees and he has compassion. And because he had compassion, he came to him. He bondaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own beast, donkey, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Compassion. I want you to notice something. Jesus never said anything about the Samaritan being good. Who puts that in there? It's not part of the scripture. It's how we got things divided. That's okay. We can call him good. The good Samaritan had compassion. Well, what I want us to think about for a few moments, if we're going to be good at what we do, if we want to be good at what we, if we want to excel in what we do, and that's what he's doing, I think there's some lessons. I think the first lesson is we need to qualify ourselves with what we have rather than excuse ourselves 
with what we don't have. He goes over and he sees the man. He walks over there and he says, uh, I'm not a M-E-T, I'm not a medical, you know, I'm, I, but there is something that, that, there's something I can do. And so he, he takes and he, he tears off some clothes to bind the wounds. He's not EMT, but he's got some wine and some salve that he can use to alleviate maybe some of the pain that's there. And he, he bandages him up and he, he takes care of him. And, oh, by the way, he has transportation. The guy can't walk. He's been left to die. But I got transportation. I've got, I've got a donkey. <laughs> yeah, mule. I got, you know, I can, I, I, can, I can put him on a mule and I can take him to get help. Now, wait a minute. I'm a Samaritan. People don't like us. So I find this guy, and I do the best I can to get him all bandaged, and I, I put him on my donkey, and we're headed down to Jericho. And he must have thought, what if he dies? What if he dies? And I get down to Jericho, and I got this dead man <laughs> on my donkey who's dead, and I go to the police <laughs> and try to tell them my story. You get the picture? Who are they going to believe? Who's suspect here? The Samaritan is suspect. He took a risk. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been tempted to dump somebody off your donkey? I have. I remember getting a call one night. From a guy in prison that I barely knew, but we knew his wife. It wasn't the first time I got this call, and I knew what it was. I can't tell you how close I came to not answering that call. We're tempted to do that. Dump people off our donkey. The, the burden gets too heavy. My, my first church I pastored was a mission of First Baptist Church, Dallas. It was a little mission out in West Dallas, Truett Chapel. 
it's tough. Those people are tough. It's not, it's not, it's kind of an incorporated area out in West Dallas. Uh, poor people. People without, people lived in houses without any water or toilets. We went into houses that had, the floor was bare, they bare, I mean, it's pretty tough. We learned a lot of lessons. So I remember one day one of my deacons came to me and he says, Preacher, Mrs. Love, I said, I know Mrs. Love, yeah. She teaches our, we're going back a while, primaries. We don't call them primaries. Beginners, remember beginners and primaries? We do, don't we? She taught the Sunday school class, kids. We, uh, she doesn't need to be teaching. I said, okay, why doesn't she need to be teaching? Because she's illiterate. She can't read. And nobody else had told me that. I've been by and I've seen her teach. I mean, so things would be pretty good. Well, let me look into that. So I went and talked to Mrs. Love. Mrs. Love lived in a home that was a junkyard out front. That, that's how they made his living, junks out in the front yard people would buy, poor people. And, and he was right. Mrs. Love could not read or write. Tough times. So I wondered, how, how did how'd she teach these kids? I found out that one of her neighbors, that Mrs. Love would go to her house during the week, and her neighbor would read and teach her the Sunday school lesson, and she would come in on Sunday and teach those kids. So I found that deacon and I said, no, we don't need to replace Mrs. Love. We need more Mrs. Loves. <laughs> you see, we become good at what we do when we qualify ourselves with what we have rather than excuse ourselves with what we don't have. Lesson number one. I got some stuff. I can take care of this guy and I can get him down and they will take care of it. I, th I think the second lesson that we have to learn is <clears throat> if we're going to be good at what we do, the good Samaritan, if we want to be excellent, the, the second is we've got to learn to finish what we started. Got the picture? He wasn't going to dump him. He's going to finish what he started. And so he takes him to an end. You get the picture? He took him to an end. He's going to finish what he started. And so that's why I think he might be a merchant of some kind. I don't know, I, I kind of have the idea that this inn that he took this <clears throat> person to 
was an inn that he's probably have stayed at many times. That's just a good guess. He was not a stranger to the innkeeper. He's going to finish what he started, and he says to the innkeeper, I want to pay whatever it costs to get him taken care of. Now, I've looked at different things. You know, I looked at one that says what he, what he left with the innkeeper, and I said he probably had money with him and goods, whatever, was, one of them said was probably enough money to take care of this gentleman for two months. I read another one that says maybe it was lessened. It doesn't make any difference. He gave his money to the innkeeper, and he said to the innkeeper, here's some money, take care of this gentleman, and if this is not enough, when I return, I'll pay the debt, whatever it is. I'll pay it. That's why I kind of believe that this, this guy, he'd been to the inn before. He had a good reputation. The innkeeper knew who he was, that his word was his bond. If he said, I'll take care of whatever it is, he'd take care of it. And he allowed the innkeeper to become part of the healing process. Because the third thing is, not only do we qualify ourselves with what we have rather than excuse ourselves, not only do we, do we finish what we start, but we learn that we need to include others in the process. I, I want to tell you, if it hadn't been for the support groups that we had after the Oklahoma City bombing, none of us would have made it. We couldn't have done it. We stand together. Build relationships with people. Going through traumatic events. That when, I, when we were down, somebody was up and could help us. And when they were down and we were up, we helped them. But we involved other people. That, that's what... That, that, that's what our church is doing, reaching out to the community. We're involving other peoples in our community, involving our church with other people in the community. Now, <clears throat> we, we need to kind of understand that when, when Jesus was talking about a neighbor in this situation, he was actually talking about a community not just a neighbor, a community. That's, that's really what he was talking about. Who is, who is my neighbor? Jesus is saying the community is your neighbor. That's who you're to reach out to. That's, that's who you're to uh, show love for, is, is, is the community. It's not just a guy that lives next door to you. We live in a society today, but I guarantee it, most people know very little about the people in their neighborhood or the people even next door to them. I mean, we come in, we close the door, we go in the house. They could name the people probably two or three or four houses down, even if they could name the people next to them. 
we, 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 we hibernate, don't we? But Jesus is talking about the community. Go out there. Your neighbor is your community. Go out to where, where they are. That's your neighbor. Here, he asked a question, and he didn't expect to get the answer that he got. <laughs> because then Jesus says, Who, get my glasses back on here, just make sure I get this right. And so, <clears throat> Jesus said to him, which of these three do you think provided, who proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? I won't tell you one thing. He couldn't avoid the question, could he? Pretty plain. Isn't it? It's pretty plain who was a good neighbor. And so Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Now, I don't want to, when, when he first asked the question, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It, it was, in those days, if I'm wrong, correct me, I think it was, they put a lot of emphasis upon the law, keeping the law, doing the right thing, right? So I don't think Jesus was saying, if you're going to have eternal life, you've you got to work your way into the kingdom. Yeah, that's not what he was saying to it. Well, then who is my neighbor? Jesus is saying again, the transition is, this is how people know that you are my disciples in that you have, well, we're quiet today, love one for another. We have love, which is compassion. We have compassion. You see, I'm <clears throat> kind of convinced that God did not put us here to see through one another. God put us here to see one another through. Hmm? Well, like the preacher said tonight, there's people all in this community that needs to know that Jesus loves them. We had one that you talked about. All around are people that are hurting. We knock on those doors almost every week, Jim, don't we? You all hear somebody that's hurting says, pray for me, pray for me. And the only reason they're going to know 
that we care is because we take time, like the Good Samaritan, to reach out and touch a life and make a difference. Amen. <laughs> Pastor. It's always amazing how the Lord uh, puts these things together, but uh, if you come back Sunday morning, you'll probably hear something about compassion and looking at people, and <laughs> we're gonna, this is good, uh, or just listen to Jack and skip Sunday morning, you'll be good too, so uh, we got the same idea going, Jack, um, for, for Sunday, so that's, that's really neat, thanks for sharing that. All right, we, that's great timing, we have about eight minutes left, um, if you would, Grab three or four people around you, just circle up. Even better if you don't know the people around you or you, people you don't talk to very often. It's a good chance to uh, talk. Maybe share something that stood out to you from, from the sermon. Uh, even better how you can apply it, what it looks like in your own life. So talk about that for a second. And then somebody in the group who feels comfortable talking out loud, if you can uh, pray for the group, then we'll be dismissed. Just dismiss yourself whenever the time's right. So rally up. Find some people, especially if you don't know them, if they're new folks to talk with. So 